Well, it is the first podcast back of the new year, which is 2023, you know, because I'm good at numbers. And I feel like it's the perfect time to talk about some New Year's resolutions. This is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. It's the Dragon Master. Players, let's talk about what we want to work on in the new year. New year, new you. Let's go. The first thing I think that we should do as players is is to put more thought into our character's past. It's a big point that we like to overlook because, again, we see it as a game and not as a writing exercise that we do in eighth grade, right? And that's the big point. Playing a character is easy, but understanding a character is difficult. The more we can get into our character's backstory and understand what they did before they met the party, the more we'll be able to do with them as the game goes on. Remember, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Well, certainly something bad happened in your character's past, because that's just how most characters are. And if you don't know what it is, well, it's probably just going to happen again. And that might be a detriment to the game, whereas you might prefer to have, quote-unquote, learned that lesson already. It also really helps with the role play, you know? In most conversation, people talk about their past and their experiences. Even if you're listening to somebody else, yeah, you might ask a question about it specifically, but a lot of times you're going to relate to what they're saying based on your experiences to say, oh, dude, I totally get that. This happened to me one time. I totally, you're absolutely right. Right? That kind of thing. If you don't know what happened before your character met the players, then there's not much conversation that you can have other than asking questions and talking about weird looking trees. So it's a good idea to have those. The, that that past, that history of your character, it allows the role play to become a lot more natural. And furthermore, it makes for way less work for the DM. If you have the ability to just talk about stuff, then they can take a break for a second. But more than that, if you have something that happened in your past, that's backstory that your DM doesn't have to write. You can say, yes, my family worked on this farm and this horrible thing, you know, a dragon came and burned it all to the ground and, and my parents died in that. Well, okay, now the DM doesn't have to worry about what bad guy is going to be good. Throw in a big dragon. Oh my God, that's the one that killed your family. <gasps> right? It just helps them just as much. Another New Year's resolution might be to make another party member the hero. Now, of course, you don't have to do this every time. It's your game, too. Everybody should be trying their best. But when there's a problem in the game, are you really the best one to handle it? Let's say, for example, like what happened in my last game, there's a fortress that we don't know how to get into, and there are really little slits in the wall and all that stuff. Well, you play a barbarian. What are you going to do to get in? bang on some stuff for a while, yeah, that might work. But why? Wouldn't your magic users have a better way to figure this out? Or wouldn't your rogue be able to pick a lock? Do you know what I mean? You don't always have to be the one to do it. And I know that sounds like you're saying, oh, don't play the game as much. But if you remember, we're ignoring our character sheets, right? The, the more you get into your character sheet, you're only figuring out what you can do. And furthermore, there's no competition between players. A success for the player is a success for the party. And that's important because, again, if you're not the best one to handle a certain situation, you doing it might lead to a failure for the party. More than that, maybe the bad guy gets away. That's bad. Maybe someone dies. That's worse. You could let somebody else handle that. Then they feel really good about their character, about their ability to play the game and feel good about it, and... 
everybody wins and you get to save your abilities for when they actually come into use. That's just another one that I like to think about. A weird one that you might be upset about me for saying is fall into a trap. Uh, yeah, we get stuck in our heads trying to, quote, win the game, right? We want to beat the DM and never fall into traps and we want to never take damage. And well, okay, but be the character for a second. Tell a story, right? Not everybody walks into a shop expecting that there's going to be a trap. Not everybody distrusts everyone they meet because you never know who the DM is making the bad guy in disguise, right? Play your character for a second. When you walk into a cave for the first time, is the first thing you do, hmm, I wonder if anybody's been here first and has tried to set up a booby trap somewhere. No, you're probably like, all right, this place is gross. Is there a light source? Okay, that's different, and you might fall into a trap. But guess what? Unless your DM is the kind of DM that actively wants you to play super cautiously all the time, odds are good that trap's not going to kill you. If anything, that trap might just stun you for a second. Glad you found it now as opposed to when you were in combat, and now you have to deal with it while in combat. So... Fall into the trap, let it happen, exist, and let the game happen as it may. I bet you're going to have way more fun stories if you do it that way. Another easy New Year's resolution for players, have pointless conversations. I feel like a lot of people who talk about D&D stuff like to give you things to do to help your DM. Yes, having pointless conversations with your party members will give your DM a break and a second to check in on their notes and set up the next encounter. But there's more to it than that. It's not just about doing a favor for your DM. It's beneficial to you. You build rapport and a relationship between the party, and that's huge. Just having the ability to say, yep, we talked about this. We're friends. Just to know that your friend is your friend as opposed to just saying, well, yeah, they're my friend in real life, so the characters will be friends. No, when your character is like that, you gain the ability to trust each other more. I'll give you an example. This isn't a D&D example, but I, I sing in a barbershop chorus, and I've been in barbershop quartets for a while as well, and I had one guy who I sang with four different times. And yes, he and I were really good friends, but we could read each other very quickly. On stage, we could make changes, and they would always go flawlessly. That concept is something that your characters can do as well. The more your characters are friends, the more they work together, the more you're going to find those combos out of character that allow you and that other player or your character and that other character to do things together. Plus, you control the story a little bit more if you're really invested in it. So if you are having conversations with your party, your DM is listening Odds are good that something you say might be able to come back later on in the campaign. The DM's got the control of that, but if you are saying those things, well, now they know what to work for. I know, it, it feels a lot like these last two have been about helping the DM, but they really help you too. Again, we're not against the DM. The DM and the players work together to tell a good story. And finally, <laughs> the other New Year's resolution that you're going to think is completely about the DM, but I swear isn't, DM. Do it. Just once, right? One time this year, run a one-shot. Or maybe start a game. Do Lost Mine of Fandelver, right? It's the easiest thing in the entire world. If you've got experienced players, it'll probably last five or six sessions. 
go for it. Give it a shot. Try DMing. Put your mind in that other place. First of all, yeah, we'll get it out of the way. It gives your DM a chance to play, but it's much more than that. You learn more about the game when you're DMing. You will find those combos that a player can do when you watch other players do things and you think about the things that you've done. Okay, now you're the DM and you're trying to figure those out. You also get a closer bond to your DM when you know what the job entails firsthand. I'll tell you this, when I first started DMing and I went back to my game, it was night and day how my DM and I played together. And the game that I'm currently playing in, my fiance is DMing, she and I work very well together as well. Not just because she's my fiance, but because I know what she's going through. When she gives a weird look when someone says something, I know what's running through her head. When someone says some random thing to an NPC and her eyebrow shoots up, I know what that means. And furthermore, when we go into a room and no one knows what to do, well, she can shoot me a look and I can help advance the story. That's a big thing. Having a player on your game who can help advance the story when everyone might seem lost or maybe when there's some information that you aren't able to give the party right away. It really helps the DM. So again, DM once, just give it a shot. And uh, those are your New Year's resolutions. Happy 2023. DMs the world over. Happy New Year. Here are your New Year's resolutions. Number one, take your players too seriously. I had a topic about this in a previous podcast, but take them too seriously. If they say something, make it canon. Run with it. It gives them a little more control over the story, and that little bit more control is more investment. And the one thing that I know all DMs want is for their players to be more invested. So the second they do something that seems investy or that seems, you know, out of mechanical requirement, take them seriously. Call their bluff. Put their money where their mouths are. It'll help your game tenfold. It makes for fun stories the more that they say, oh my god, I said this one time and then all of a sudden I had to, right? They run with that. They thrive on that. As you well know, because I'm sure that there are very few DMs who started as a DM and never played in their life, right? You know that those moments are great. And they'll enjoy knowing that at least a portion of the game happened because of them. If you think about most of their like video games that you would play, specifically RPGs where there's an actual story and not like Minecraft where there isn't a story, you don't have a lot of control over what happens in the story. Yeah, stuff like Mass Effect allows you to have a little bit more influence than some other games would, but for the most part, you're just following the story they've written and doing combat differently. That's the extent of it. D&D is great because you can change that. You can manipulate those rules based on what your players say. And that will just give them so much more enjoyment of the game. And if you're ever like, oh, I'm losing my party. Well, when they say something, take it seriously. Way too seriously. Another New Year's resolution for you is build characters. I feel as though a majority of my friends and uh, <clears throat> are going to be very angry with me for saying this because I have 24, 25 characters built just on standby. But build characters. Usable knowledge of character options help you make decisions in game. And I know that's weird, but think about it. If you're not comfortable with a monk, you might not know what to throw at them to either make them feel good or give them a challenge. 
challenge. If you're comfortable with how monks operate, you might know that you should shoot an arrow at them so they can catch it one time. You might know that when they use patient defense, you should send as many baddies up against them as possible because they're going to love when you miss every shot. Or when they use patient defense, you should know to use any area of effect abilities that your enemies have for the sake of giving them more of a challenge, getting them outside of that, well, as long as I just use patient defense, I'm safe mindset, right? That kind of thing. And there's more to a character than the mechanics, and that's huge. Uh, You could build a fighter who is a gnome, right? A gnome fighter. Well, okay, why did that gnome become a fighter? What's all this about, right? Building backstories is practice for world building. You get to make sense of all that. And what backstory makes sense for certain mechanical combinations? Find something really weird like, I don't know, an Asimar Ranger. Why is that Asimar Ranger? Why would an Asimar want to be a Ranger? And what happened in the past? What background fits it? And now you can build more story from it. The more story building you can do, the more world building you'll be able to do. And that extends tenfold when it's a specific character's story. Because now, not only do you have to know what happened to this character, but the guy who mugged him when he was 14, what's his name? What race was it? Was it an adventurer with a level or was it just some random thug? There's a lot to go into it. And the more you practice those things, the easier it's going to be once you're story building. It'll also help you for the next time that you play and not DM. Uh, Whether you're a forever DM or otherwise, you're probably not thinking about the next time you play because you're busy running your game. Well, this will help you with that. Next time you get into a game or a one-shot or whatever, maybe you'll have a character on standby that you really want to play. If not, you'll at least find fun new combos that you can take advantage of. There are so many memes out there about DMs who become players and how they break the game because they can deal 720 damage in one turn at level 3, right? That kind of stuff is stuff that you'll discover. Now, do you always want to do that? No, because at some point in time, it's going to be lame, and we want to tell stories and not just be optimized. Unless you want to be optimized, in which case, go for it. But at the end of the day, it's just fun to go through all these different characters and do stuff for them. And hey, maybe after you've built the character's character page, you could rebuild it in a stat block and add it to your world. I know that all 25 characters that I have built are in the world that I'm creating with my fiance where we do our one shots. They're all members of the guild. They will all be run into at some point in time in somebody else's one shot because that's the world that I'm building. Speaking of which, there's another New Year's resolution. Build a one-shot. I know it sounds like a little bit of a waste of effort, but it's low stress, it's low commitment, it's low requirement, and it's great practice. Here's the thing. When you've got the entire story built out for you, whether you built it or whether it's in a module, it's very easy to railroad. It's very easy to say, well, this is what I've built. And furthermore, it's very complicated once the players get involved and start doing stuff. But... If you can just take some time, make a one-shot, something that will last three to five hours, depending on how long your games usually last, then you get to practice all of that stuff. You don't have to worry about what happens in the next session. You don't have to worry about killing anybody. It's a one-shot. It's a single entity that doesn't relate to anything else. It's good to understand how the normal game works, right? It's 
more than just, oh, I'm building a world. No, 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 no. There are things you can put into a one-shot that you might want to put into a full game but doesn't really play as well because it's not built in, whether it's a module, or you can't find a way to fit it into your world if it's one that you've built. I'll give you the example. Uh, I talked about my Halloween one-shot. It's turned into at least a three-shot, and we're still not done with it because we don't have a regularly scheduled time to do it. It's a big eye-opening thing for me. I've always been bad at building one-shots. They've always been multi-shots, two or three. And this one's seeming like it could go past three. Now I have to decide, what am I doing that's making these games last so long? This should have been something that could have been completed in four rounds. What's going on? Well, there's a lot to go into that kind of thing. So again, you'll learn more when you build a one-shot about how the game itself works and not just the module or the adventure you're running. And the last New Year's resolution I'll give you is add to your module. Whether you're using a module or your own adventure, what can you adjust in your game to make it more suited to your characters? If you're running a module, can you change some of the magic items you found? Can you adjust an enemy's stats, whether you buff it or nerf it? That's whatever makes sense to you. Is there another mission that could take place in this world? That's all stuff you can do. I know that you're using a book that's telling you exactly how the game runs, but all of the early books say, by the way, change this to suit your party. In every campaign that I've run, I've added magic items. Not as much added as much as replaced, but if I know that there's a magic item built into a module that I'm not going to give to my party because they won't use it, then I just switch it out for something else. Usually the same rarity, probably a similar effect, but at least enough to know that they're going to appreciate getting it as opposed to, oh, look, here's a mace. None of us use maces, so that's not going to happen. If I find those kinds of things, I swap them out because they don't need it. If it's your own adventure and you're not running out of a module, how does what the party do permanently affect the world? If at some point in time they kill a king, who's the next king? Is the kingdom happy about that or upset about that? Can the bad guy win? And if so, what happens next? If the bad guy wins and succeeds in their big evil plan, can your party then go fix it? Or did they just lose and the game is over? And <laughs> homebrew. Uh, think about it. The whole campaign that you've done is homebrewed. Who's to say you can't homebrew a magic item that is specific to that world, or is specific to a certain character, or is specific to a certain NPC? There's a lot you can do with it. You get to pick. And that's just a couple of things. So, Happy New Year. Rounding things off for this episode, let's talk about New Year's resolutions that all of us can get behind. Not just a player, not just a DM, but us as people loving the game Dungeons & Dragons. First and foremost, let's talk about the easiest one and the most important one. Invite someone new. Look, D&D is a game that requires, at the very least, three people to play, and at least one of them needs to be a DM. It is very beneficial to all of us that more and more people play D&D. I know I sound like I work at Wizards of the Coast, I'm like in the sales team or something, but I mean it. The more people we can get to play the more chances you'll have to play. If you love the game, maybe you can start up another game. Maybe you can start up two more games. Maybe you can play a game every night of the week. I don't recommend that, but hey, live your life. But the more people that you get into it, the odds are better that you'll always be able to play in case your game ends and people's lives change. Well, you've got a whole crew of friends who love the game D&D that you can go play with. 
that's a very important thing. And hey, the more the merrier, you know? If it's a one-shot, you want to keep your party relatively small so everyone has a chance to do something. But you can have a four-person party. That's decent. You can have a five-person party. That's fine. You can have a six-person party. That's fine. You can have a seven-person party. That's getting up there. You might want to start a second game. But at the end of the day, you want everyone you know to play this game. It's so much fun, right? And you never know who might be in your next game. My example of that is pretty direct. I started a game once because a friend asked me if I would DM with five of her friends, only a couple of which had experience with D&D. And I said, yup. Because introducing new people to the game is so important. Lo and behold... Now I'm engaged to one of those ladies. So it's always a good thing. You never know who you're going to meet in these games, and it's a way to bond with people that you might not otherwise know. So invite people. Invite someone new. Introduce somebody to D&D. You're going to feel good about it once they get excited about it too. Here's a weird one for you. Learn to cook. D&D <laughs> uh, &D is a social game. There's no denying that. If you all get together at the same person's house or at someone's house or anywhere... Uh, you're all in the same place. It's social. So have some snacks out. Maybe learn to make a little appetizer or an hors d'oeuvre. And then you've got something that you can do while you're playing, something to you know bring you a little closer together. There's a reason that people meet and talk over food. Uh, it's psychological. Once you are sharing that moment with somebody, you're closer. Maybe you could even take it a step further than that. If you eat dinner together while you play the game, gives you a little more time to play. You don't have to eat first and come. You don't have to order pizza, eat, and move on. No, you can have it made when the players get there and then serve up the food while the DM is giving the lore dump or the review of what happened last week. You can always do that kind of stuff, and it's just it just helps. Plus, it's just a good thing in general. Like, know how to cook. It's just a thing. Like, you're an adult. Take care of yourself know how to make food. <laughs> Another fun New Year's resolution might be to have a non-D&D &D game night. But Zach, this is a D&D &D podcast. Tell me about D&D &D stuff. Well, I'm gonna tell you about D&D &D stuff. We had an entire podcast where on the DM portion, I told you different ways that you could use everyday activities to be a better DM. Well, you learn D&D &D skills by playing different games. And furthermore, your D&D skills will help you be good at different games. It's always good to remind yourself and everyone you play with that you're also friends. You're not just party members. You're not just my DM. You're not just a guy I talk to in D&D and then I'll see you next week. No, you're, you're actual friends. Let's hang out. You could reword this New Year's resolution to take the people you play D&D &D with to a bar, right? It's just about having another thing that you can do together at least once this year just so that you remember that we're all friends. And switching things up is always a good change of pace. There's some law of existence, I don't remember what it is, where when you change anything, it automatically gets better because you're changing people's perception of it. Well, if you play a different game one time, then when you guys get together, it's not just D&D, 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 D&D. It's more about the thought process that goes behind these games and you as friends, which I think is huge. Furthermore, people are competitive. No matter if they like competition or otherwise, people are competitive. People want to be recognized for their accomplishments. If you can get that feeling, 
out of your system with a different game so that you're actually competing together against a different thing, then when you get back to D&D, you can focus on working together to tell that story or to beat that boss or to solve that puzzle, right? It's not about who's the best one anymore because you were the best one last week. You did it. Now let's focus on this. And I think that's just a huge thing that can be done for any D&D game is just take a break for a second, one week, just one week, or maybe on an off night so that you don't have to take a break from it. You can just kind of change pace once. I think it's a great thing to do in general and give it a shot sometime. Have a non-D&D event with your D&D friends. And finally, a New Year's resolution that I think we can all get behind. Every single one of us, whether you're a player, whether you're a DM, whether you're a seasoned veteran, or whether you're brand new to the game, we can all agree on this. Leave a review of this podcast on DungeonManDragonMaster.com. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about the podcast too much because I know you're not here to hear me talk about myself or my podcast, and you're here to hear about D&D. But it would really be a help to me if you could leave me some notes, leave me uh, something you want to hear about, tell me what you like, what you don't like. And furthermore, if I get good reviews, I think that helps people to find me because it's uh, credibility and all that stuff. But I want to help you guys. I want to make something entertaining for you and something that we can all enjoy at the end of the day and maybe take up 20 minutes of your time when you're, I don't know, driving to work or something. Maybe you could even find my Discord server and tell me what your D&D New Year's resolutions are. Find me on DungeonManDragonMatcher.com, leave me a review, send me a note, and I will get back with you. At the end of the day, let's make 2023 the best we can make it. Happy New Year, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also join my Discord, which is in my description. And go ahead and check out DungeonManDragonMaster.com, and I will see you next time. That was the Dragon Master.